The reading today is from Acts 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men travelling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananus. The Lord called him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptised and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God, All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Thanks, Gail. Well, welcome. It's great to have you along to church this morning, wherever you're streaming from, be it in your bedroom or somewhere around this area, uh, in Kilsyre South or Croydon, wherever you might be, or in another state, or even uh, in another country. You might be uh, watching for us this morning. We hope you feel welcomed. We'd love to hear from you, so feel free to write a comment in the YouTube comment section or head to our webpage www.ksbc.org.au forward slash contact and you'll see a form that you can fill in. Let us know where you're worshipping from or if you're part of our Facebook group as well. You, can, you might even want to put a, a photo up of, of where you're worshipping from this morning. Let us know how you're connecting in. We'd love to engage with you on a deeper level. Next week we have our quarterly ministry conference after church. It's our church meeting which will be hosted via Zoom. 
We'll be seeking to extend Daniel Harrison's term as secretary for another six months. Daniel's uh, graciously filled in on a temporary basis, pending that someone else comes on board. But with COVID, that's been difficult to have happen. So Daniel's put his name uh, forward for another six months. That'll get us to the end of the year. And we'll try using the polls on Zoom to make that happen. Uh, So if you're a part of this church and you want to be a part of the... Up the church meeting, uh, the quarterly uh, ministry conference. Please, uh, uh, the details will be on on the screen now. Take a photo of your screen so that you've got the the details. We'll put it up again next week, and we'll have this uh, this go on next week. We also have our children's ministry up and running each week uh, to be done at home. Lynn uh, Sykes has all the information on our website under our kids tab. You can follow along with Jesus the Game Changer series. There's a couple of links in there to help you to engage and help your children to engage. There's a week by week outline and there's also some resources to use and help with the kids. I know my kids, they, they did a, a jigsaw puzzle last week, all, all revolving around Jesus the Game Changer. So you might want to get your kids engaged with that uh, either through the week or you can do it on the Sunday morning itself. Uh, maybe even get up that little bit earlier and, and set up the kids and get them running while uh, and then they can do that while we're watching uh, along now. Our youth ministry is also going. Jordan's uh, doing a great job. Uh, he's uh, planning a, a virtual camp through Teen Street, which is an online conference camp for high schoolers. The cost is $35, uh, but that's the early bird cost. That finishes today. So if you have high schoolers and you'd like them to go on this camp, um, it is virtual, so you'll be doing it through your homes. Uh, you might, we might be able to get to the stage um, by July where you can meet with a few other people, so you might be able to do it that way. But um, if you haven't received an email from Jordan or you've misplaced it or can't find it, please contact Jordan or go to the Youth tab in our website. You'll find some information there as well. It was great to start the Jesus the Game Changer Connect groups through the week. And the response has been wonderful. We've had four brand new groups start up, which could easily be six or seven or even eight groups, as numbers in these groups are already stretched We also have established groups that are growing in numbers. It's been exciting to see so many people connecting, not just to this series, but to one another. It's a little bit different via Zoom. Uh, We can't physically meet together still, but what a blessing this technology has been, isn't it? If you want to join or start a new group, please contact me as soon as possible. It's not too late to get into a group or even if there's a few people that you think, I could journey through this uh, together with them. Uh, have a chat to them and say, Let's, why don't we start a group and I can get you all the details to get you started on the Jesus the Game Changer series. We still don't really know how long we'll be away from church as a large gathering. It still might be quite some time. But what we do know is that soon enough we'll be able to meet in each other's houses as small groups. Some are, some are already meeting with three or four people. And this is where connect groups are really vital. So get your interest to me. I'd love to connect with you. I'd also love you to, uh, to, to encourage you to continue to pray about your giving as an action of your worship. It's for the building up of the kingdom of God in this area. You know, God has been so gracious to us in so many ways. And our giving is a response, a heart response to God's goodness. Uh, and it's, it's also a response to what God is doing in this area of King, Kilside South and beyond. So if you want to give, you can give through the banks. Uh, you can go to our website and sort of find it in the top right-hand corner of our website. There's a, a little tab saying give, and you'll be directed to the methods of being able to give online. 
You might want to, uh, as we start uh, getting into our service, into our, our sermon, into our message, I'm going to pray in a minute, but you wanna, might want to have a stretch, make sure you're all uh, ready, get yourself a glass of water and come on back. Um, but you might also want to spend just the next minute, I'm going to give you a minute, to, uh, to text someone that is, uh, you know, is watching or to chat with someone in your home and, and share with them what's something that's made you laugh this week. Just for that, 30 seconds for a minute. What's something that's made you laugh this week? Well, this week our, our family's had a great laugh as we've gone through some photo memories that just been popping up on our phones through our OneDrive. What a blessing as we live some of the crazy things that our kids have done when they were little and the joy that they've seen, we've seen them on them as they've watched themselves as little people again. And I hope that in some way you can find some joy uh, through the week that has been and through this coming week as well. Why don't we pray together and then we'll get stuck into the passage that Gail read to us this morning. So God, we glimpse your creative beauty through the setting sun, through the mountains around us, through the birds in the air. We sense your power in the thunder's crash and in the lightning's flash and in the roar of an ocean. Creator God, we praise you. Jesus, we see your love stretched out upon the cruel cross and we stand in awe at your sacrifice. Pure love poured out for humankind. Jesus, we praise you. Holy Spirit, we see your power in lives transformed. We see it with hearts on fire. And Lord, we listen for your still, small voice, comforting, guiding and calling. Holy Spirit, we praise you. Almighty God, we know that everything is in your sovereign control. We ask that you keep the coronavirus from continuing to spread. Even now, countries that don't have the resources to help are starting to be struck, and we want to pray for them. We pray for the state of our country here in Australia, that even though numbers are down from what they were, may we still be wise. May we not become complacent, And may we still keep our hygiene and distancing at the forefront of our minds. May we keep safe and may we keep others safe as well. Now God, we pray for those young people who are heading back to school this coming week. We pray that they'll be able to fit back into the schooling structures quickly, especially our year 11s and 12s, as they seek to do their best in these important years of their lives. Jesus, we ask that you be with our students in this coming week. And God, for those who are in need, may you make others aware through your Holy Spirit. We ask you to protect those who we know are in hospital, perhaps after an operation or perhaps because they're not well. We pray for those who are feeling the pinch of loneliness. And especially as we get into the winter months and it gets that little bit colder, we pray for those who are feeling 
the effects of that as well. We ask that you bring comfort to those who are feeling the loneliness and the isolation of many weeks of not being able to see people. We thank you, God, that we can see others a little bit more now. But Lord, help us to remain wise. Our God, you are our Lord of all and in all. May our praise and glory be yours forever and ever. Amen. Well, it is week two of Jesus a Game Changer. And if you were with us last week, Carl Faye shared with us about making Jesus' last words our first priority. And if you joined into a connect group um, through this week, you would have watched the first video where we heard stories of the importance of those words because of the importance and the, the truth of Jesus' life, his death and his resurrection. And we heard the stories of two young women. I was taken by these two young women from Iran and how the message that they grew up with didn't, didn't cut it for them. Rather, when they heard the message of Jesus, they were transformed. And we heard one of the ladies say uh, about, talk about the impact of Jesus on her life. Mariam, her name was, and she said, He changed my life. That's, the why, that's why I see Jesus as the game changer. If you have faith in Jesus, if you have a, a story to tell of how Jesus has changed your life too, you need to be able to share that. Not everyone's story is the same, but what is the same is the faith that faith in Jesus means that you are changed. You are made new. You are a new creation. You have a new identity in Christ. Famous NBA, American basketballer Steph Curry, one of, one of my kids' favourite players and the, the greatest three-point shooter of all time. He, he makes a stand for Jesus every time he steps foot on the basketball court. Steph Curry was raised in Charlotte in the USA by Christian parents who began every morning with a required devotional time before school. As a result, Steph Curry has developed into a solid man of God, one who never shies away about sharing his faith. Jesus had such a profound impact on his life that every night that he goes and plays a game of basketball, he carries the verse Philippians 4.13 with him, written on his shoe, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Sometimes when he's on the court, he'll point his index finger in the air as a reminder that God gets the glory for his success. The impact that Jesus had has had on Steph Curry's life is obvious. His identity is not just grounded in who he is as an amazing basketball player, but also who he is as a follower of Jesus. Before Jesus began his public ministry and announced the kingdom of God, we find Jesus being baptised by John. And Mark's account of Jesus' baptism is found in Mark chapter 1, verse 9 to 11. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. Can you imagine being part of the crowd that day 
waiting in line to be baptised by John because you followed John and you were committed to John's cause. And, and in comes this man. You may not have known him. You might have heard a little bit about him, but not, may not have known him. He was relatively unknown at this stage. And John baptises him. And all of a sudden, the heavens open and the Spirit descends upon him like a dove. And, and you hear this voice, this heavenly voice, affirming who this man is. You are my son, my beloved. You know, straight after this, Jesus, he heads out into the desert to be tempted. And from there, his public ministry of announcing God's kingdom starts. Last week, we heard from Carl Faze, and he reminded us that some of Jesus' last words were, what, were that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And just as Jesus was sent into his mission after the Spirit descended onto him, he also didn't direct his disciples into the world on their own strength. Rather, God equips them and then empowers them and sends them out into the world with the Holy Spirit as well. You see, the gift of the Holy Spirit comes before Jesus embarks on his mission and before the disciples are sent out. You see, the disciples went from being those followers of Jesus, a small band of followers, socially outcast really, who are receiving this Holy Spirit and they're transformed. And they're transformed into this powerhouse of mission, changing the world forever, not, not through uh, just... a. a, a a, a, a nice message but they're changed through the Holy Spirit to share this amazing message that they've been given a message that they couldn't help but share and so too if you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Saviour then you'll also have that new identity as a Christian a follower of Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit to make an impact for him in this world. You know, embracing this new identity is it's foundational to following Jesus and being a witness in the world that you live. This change is a change that comes through Jesus. Paul tells the church in Corinth this very thing. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This new creation, this new identity is, is Christ. It's Christ in me, Christ in you. Now, Paul didn't say this just because he was spouting off uh, a theology that he'd heard or read about. This was his lived out reality. This is how he lived his life. We're going to hear a short clip from Michael Bird from Ridley College share about what Paul was like before his conversion experience. What was Paul like when he was Saul and before he had that experience in Damascus? You would think you had come across a religious, a religious fanatic as if he was uh, part of the uh, Judean version of Al-Qaeda, okay? Because this was a guy who, uh, who was uh, committed to the Jewish way of life, the tradition of the Pharisees. Uh, he thought he was pretty much blameless 
under the law. You know, he was, you know, he was excelling in the traditions of the elders. And he says he was filled with zeal. And zeal doesn't mean just bucket loads of enthusiasm. Zeal means a willingness to engage in holy violence, to protect God's reputation and to protect the purity and the sanctity of the people of God. He came to target one particular group, followers of Jesus, the Nazarenes, you know, the mm-hmm. followers of the way. Eventually they'd be called Christians. He targeted them because he believed they were a rogue cult He wanted to completely nullify them as a movement. Now, whether that meant suppressing them, scattering them, imprisoning them, beating them, or in some cases, even killing them. Um, This was a guy who really believed uh, that the end justifies the means. The of Paul was uh, pretty scathing, really, wasn't it? He was willingly targeting these new Christians And they feared him, rightly so. But this morning, Gail shared uh, with us from the scripture, Saul's conversion story. The story of this feared man threatening new followers of Jesus. And on his journey to Damascus, to continue to find followers of this way, a light from heaven flashes around him and a voice cries to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul asks, who are you, Lord? And you can imagine his surprise when Jesus answers, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. And Saul goes blind and remains blind for three days. And he had to be taken to Damascus where he was going, where where God had told this fellow, Ananias, he was a new follower of Jesus. He said to Ananias, go and find this Saul. I love Ananias' response. Lord, this is a guy that's been hurting us. And this new faith that we have, I'm, I don't know that you've got the right bloke. Surely not him. But God said, this is a man that is going to proclaim my name, not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles, those who haven't had this message before. It's a tough call because Ananias had only known of the destruction of Saul. Now God's telling him he's going to change. I'm glad that Ananias was so faithful and he went and found Saul. That, that in itself is a, is a massive thing, that he would go and find the guy that was after people like him. He put his life at risk in essence, but he did it faithfully and he healed Saul. And verse 17 is important here. Acts 9, verse 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Straight after that, scales fell from his eyes and immediately he was changed. He had now become that new creation that ends up uh, talking to the Corinthians and to many of the, the New Testament. Through the Holy Spirit, Saul becomes Paul, and he's made new. And what does Paul do straight after this experience? Well, the first thing Scripture tells us after his experience in in verse 18 of chapter 9, he says he got up and was baptized. His first action was to be baptized. His response to Jesus was to make a public declaration of this new life that he has in Jesus. It was his response to receiving the Holy Spirit. Perhaps 
that's something that you might want to think about. What's your response to the Holy Spirit's action in your life? You know, once he regained his strength after his baptism, the very next thing he did was he headed out on mission. Verses 20 and 22, 20 to 22 says this of chapter 9 of Acts. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Immediately after Saul meets Jesus and is baptized, he begins to follow through on Jesus' last words. words, You will be my witnesses. Paul goes and shares that message. He begins to preach. And of course, those who knew Saul and knew the kind of zealot Jew that he'd been are totally baffled. They can't reconcile who he was with what he's doing now. He's been totally and utterly transformed by Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And he becomes the most standout character in the book of Acts and also through the whole of the broader New Testament. And if you read through his writings, you get a lot of of things that you can come through. But I want to pick up on three key themes that Paul picks up on that were vital for the early church to grasp so that this movement, this this new uh, movement was able to continue to grow. So three key themes that Paul picks up on. Firstly, the first theme is that Jesus came for all of humanity. He came for Jerusalem and to the ends of the earth. Up until this moment, the message of hope in the Messiah had been presumed for the Jews. We hear that in verse 15 of Acts chapter 9, that this message is for Jews and Gentiles now. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. Tom Holland, who we heard a little bit from last week, uh, had this to say about, his, about Paul's teaching of good news to all for, for everyone. So Tom, Paul, what did he write and say that was so significant for the time? Paul is, is absolutely the key figure in the emergence of the form of Christianity that, that, that the world today is the heir, heir to. Um, and his... The decisive teaching that, that, that he argues for and uh, successfully incubates within the infant church is the idea that Christ died for all of humanity, so not just for the Jews, and that the law of Moses, therefore, in a sense, has been superseded. So Paul, in a famous phrase says that there is no Jew or Greek. Mm. And this idea that difference is dissolved, that Christ has come for the whole of humanity, is a fusion of Jewish specificity and Greek cosmopolitanism. It fuses the idea that there is a covenant that God, in a sense, has entered into a close personal relationship with with all the world. 
And this is a, a, a fusion of Jewish and Greek ideas that in Paul's letters will have the power to shape and transform the world. It's a pretty amazing message. See, Paul's passion and his primary mission was to Gentiles. And with that comes the message that Christ came for the whole of humanity. The second message Paul drills home to the early church is that Jesus offers a new identity, not just a new behavior. See, the way Paul helps communities move towards Christ is to focus on identity formation, not just behavior modification. James Clear is a researcher who specializes in personal development and studies the habits of successful people. And he surmises that building lasting habits is not a result of changing a few behaviors. In the long run, behavior change doesn't work. Rather, he says that to create sustainable habits, it comes down to one thing, changing our identities. For example, if I want to be fit, there are some pretty core behaviours that I need to change. Things such as eating a healthy diet, maintaining good sleep patterns and regular exercise and way less chocolate. Sounds like it should be maintainable. I could probably do some of that. But when most of us try, we just don't succeed. I mean, how many of us have taken gym membership in our lifetimes and never used it? Twice. James Clear calls out calls these outcome-based habits. Building your habits around the outcome that you want to achieve. And he says it, it just doesn't work. Rather, Clear would say, change your identity. See, identity is about what you believe. And he would say that build identity-based habits, focusing on who you believe you are and creating behaviours that lead into that identity. He uses an example of two smokers who are trying to quit. They're both offered a cigarette. One says, no thanks, I'm trying to quit. The other one says, no thanks, I'm not a smoker. You see the subtle difference there? The second person has already become a new person. Their identity has changed. They are no longer a smoker. And their behaviours go with it. Now, Clear is not a Christian teacher as such, but 2,000 years after Paul writes to the church uh, about this exact thing, he writes this. This is from James Clear. True behavior change is identity change. You might start a habit because of motivation, but the only reason you'll stick with one is that it becomes part of your identity. Improvements are only temporary until they become part of who you are. That's pretty powerful. He goes on to say that research has shown that once a person believes in a particular aspect of their identity, they are more likely to act in alignment with that belief. Isn't that incredible? But it's not rocket science. Because when Paul writes to the Ephesian church, he spends the first three chapters telling them of their new identity in Christ. He didn't just go and set out a list of behavior changes or things to fix as such. Rather, he spends three chapters telling the church in Ephesus that they've been adopted, that they're included, that they're brought near, that they are members of God's household. They're heirs together with Israel. They are a new identity. 
If you go into Ephesians 4 to 6, chapters 4 to 6, he, he then shows them what it looks like to live into this new identity. He tells them, oh, You are forgiven, you're adopted, you are a new creation. You are, create, you are a Christian, therefore your behaviours fall in line with this new identity in Christ. How I deal with anger. How I wrestle against temptation. Decisions that I make about how much I drink or any actions that I might take against another person. Behaviours revolving around how I treat my family and friends and those who serve me in the local shops and cafes. See, my behaviours begin to line up with my new identity, who I am in Christ. And the result is not people go, oh, that's, that's, a, that's a new person. The result is they see Christ. Because this was Paul's lived out reality. His new identity led him to this drastic change in his behaviour. His behaviours only changed because, first of all, his identity changed. And he knew it. So first of all, Jesus came for all humanity, not just this chosen group. And secondly, Jesus offers all a new identity, not just behavioural change. And the final thing is, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, it changes everything, not just individual lives. In Jesus the Game Changer Season 2, uh, Episode 2, which we'll watch in Connect Groups this week, Mark Knoll says this, A really good sociologist, Rodney Stark, who, if you've seen Game Changer 1, you'll have met Rodney Stark through that video. Um, he's now at Baylor University, has made the very persuasive and interesting thesis. Early Christianity spread, yes, because the message was effective. Yes, because the person of Jesus was attractive but perhaps most because Christians were simply there. Not in a very well-organized, not too systematic way. Christians were simply there to do acts of kindness, humanity, outreach in situations where the Roman culture didn't smile favorably on that kind of person-to-person, group-to-group outreach. It wasn't in what the Romans did. So these Christians, they stood out. See, we at KSBC talk a lot about how we have been a blessing, how we've been blessed to be a blessing to others. And I love hearing stories about how God is opening up opportunities for deepening relationships with neighbours or colleagues or the owners of the cafe that you're consistently going to. We hear about how the church is caring for the deeper needs of those who are grieving deeply. It's a wonderful thing that we can be this generous. The gospel reaches into all people through the outworking of who God is in our lives, of what the gospel has done to the individual. The good news of Jesus reaches beyond the individual and into the community that we live. The Christ follower with a new identity in Christ has their very essence a mandate to care, to love, to seek others, to seek to better others. And we do it in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, not everyone will see that at first. But when we do that in the name of Jesus, people will see there's something else. 
See, the gospel isn't just all about you and Jesus. Jesus gives you a new identity through the gospel. However, this gospel changes not only the individual, but it has the power to change the very fabric of how society develops. Because it renews family. It heals relationships. It transforms the lost. It empowers the downtrodden. It gives peace to the lonely. The gospel has the power to change the way we view others, the way that we treat others, the way that we care for others, and the way that we include others. The gospel is the very power of God for all who believe. This is our new identity. Let me read from Romans chapter 1, verse 14 to 17. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. Hence my eagerness to proclaim the gospel to you who also are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for the salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith, as it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. I wonder what it would look like if Christians lived by the power of this gospel. What would it look like if, like if today people encountered a radical transformations after meeting Jesus like Saul did in his conversion? I want you to think about it. What would it look like for you follower of Christ, to live out Galatians 3.28. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. What would a new identity in Christ mean for you? For broken relationships or dealing with the hurts of the past? What behaviours must change that live on from your new identity? And I wonder, what does that mean for Kilsyth South Baptist Church as we seek to look beyond our walls? And when we get back to church, whenever that means, what, what is that going to look like? How is this going to be different? How are we going to seek to be gospel-centered, seeking to meet the needs of others? Because what I do know is that the gospel changes everything. Perhaps you've been watching today and this is a new journey for you. Perhaps you've listened to Paul's experiences and seen the difference Jesus has made in the lives of him and of friends and of family and you're ready to seek that new identity for yourself. In a moment, I want to pray for you, for you to invite Jesus to form you into a new person, to give you a new identity. Perhaps this has been your experience already, but but today you want to experience that life change that the gospel brings in a new way. And perhaps for you it might be stepping out in baptism, expressing publicly your love for Jesus. Not sure how we do the baptism thing right now, but you might want to flag your interest by emailing me um, or uh, putting it up on Facebook, uh, messaging me on Facebook. And of course, it's not too late to join up for a connect group. So you can engage in the studies with the focus through this week. To register, you can once again email me or go to ksbc.org.au forward slash connect. 
scroll down a little and you'll find a registration form that you'll be able to get your details to me. It's on the screen now. You can take a photo of it and we'll seek to find a group for you. May this week you live out your new identity in Christ. I'm going to say a prayer now, and if you're wanting to find this new identity in Christ this morning, this prayer will be a prayer for you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour and to be made new in him. So, so pray it with me. It will be on your screen as I pray. Lord, I come to you today. I'm sorry for how I have lived. And I ask for your forgiveness. Jesus, come into my life today. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to live in this new identity. Amen. You know, if you've prayed this prayer, let me or someone you know is a believer in Jesus know as well. Connect with us in some way. I'm going to jump onto Zoom on Thursday morning at 10am for 30 minutes. So if anyone who wants to follow up with anything that they've heard from today or wants to share with me this this new journey that they're on, uh, once again, take a photo of the screen at the moment. Um, There's the ID and the password there. You can talk to me about the decisions you've made today. You can discuss how your faith is going and the opportunities that you've been having to share this unbelievable gospel with others. I want to pray as the band comes back up to lead us into our final song. But this week, may you be that, uh, live into that new identity that your behaviours may be transformed because of who you are. Let's pray. Lord and God, we give you thanks and praise that you are good, that it is you that brings us new life and a new identity, that as we interact with others, that as we meet people, that as we engage with people, may they see the new identity that we have in Christ. May you help us to live that out through our behaviours. May we just not try hard to be new, but may we live into that new identity that you've given us. Bless us, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.